Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis in New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. Bonita, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me here. I am really excited to talk to you. You know why? Because I also have a torn labrum. And, <gasps> no and, way. Yeah, I do. And I don't know. I, you know, I was, these doctors, you know, they, they, they're so quick to try to get you to have surgery. And I've been pushing. I've been, I've been trying to not have surgery. But what do you think? What are you, are you going to have surgery? Um, no, no. I, I am very diligent uh, with making sure that I don't get out of the gym. I, I do not want to take a break from working out. So <laughs> if I have yeah. surgery, you know, I don't want to have to be, you know, yeah. disabled and not be able to do all the things I need to do. So I always do everything possible first. So I'm getting physical therapy and I'm talking to multiple ortho doctors, sports medicine doctors, and I'm getting like second, third opinions. And uh, I'm finding out that I'm not going to need any surgery. And within a few weeks, I should be able to uh, be back doing the things that you know, I usually do, the running or deep squats or things like that. Um, I think physical therapists are so underrated. I think a lot of doctors, I, I've spoken to a few orthos also, and I feel like a lot of orthos underestimate what physical therapists can do and what they know. What oh, I mean, they changed my life. You know, during this yeah. quarantine, I was rehabbing my shoulder from rotator cuff tendinosis, and uh, because my sh- physical therapist um, helped me strengthen the certain. Uh, certain muscle groups that help me uh, with my posture and help me with like uh, getting stronger in general so that I could work around it. And um, I have avoided surgery my whole athletic career and I haven't needed it at all. Yeah. uh, So I, and I think that I read before I, I I was in Asia for four or five months and before I left, uh, I didn't have time to have surgery. So that was the other reason I have surgery. And, but then I read a lot of, a lot about this particular injury and I read that sometimes it actually gets, better the tear obviously never goes away the and i have a labrum hip labrum trio just like you and i i was told that um and uh, the tear obviously never repairs but i've read from a lot of people that it actually just gets manageable after a while and the pain goes away and honestly that's what's happened to me now i don't have severe pain like i used to well usually i'm not a doctor but usually the pain comes from the inflammation the body just being, you know, aggravated about it and having swelling and water in the area. So uh, if, if if we can't uh, control that inflammation and then strengthen the surrounding muscles, it's it's very not easy, but it's manageable. So within a few weeks, uh, if I continue to do, well, not if, I will continue to do my physical therapy and I should be able to, you know, back to doing the things I do. I just can't do too much sitting or, you know, um, just unhealthy things, you know, laying around on the couch too much and things like that. Cause that's gonna, that's unhealthy anyways for your joints. Gotcha. So I, you took up our Instagram, of, uh, maybe a couple of months ago. It was, uh, people loved it and people love to see that there's a Bengali woman out there. That's, you know, a bodybuilder and doing amazing things. Talk about how you got started. In that sure. Thank you. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for giving me that platform to be able to, uh, come out as a, a female bodybuilder because I kept it as a secret my whole life. Only my American friends knew about it. Um, and I just kept it a secret because I thought that, you know, I would be shunned, you know, and and I didn't think that people, uh, especially our generation, would be this supportive and open open about um, to, um, 
and i mean the thing is ever since uh you posted my videos and pictures and you asked me to like help people with uh quarantine and getting fit during the quarantine a lot of people came to me for uh coaching just to learn just to talk to me about their motivation and their struggles as bengali males and females how they struggle with the social and emotional aspect of like trying to get into fitness and also the diet part how difficult that is with with our society so it's been an amazing thing for me so i want to thank you so much how did i get into bodybuilding um well i've always been an active kid you know i i i grew up in a village in bangladesh in silet in sultanpur next to india and it was a very tropical um place with a lot of nature a lot of you know natural obstacle course nature was my gym i would do pull ups you know um on the trees boroi trees you know and um i would be climbing trees i would be swimming across the river to get candies i had no electricity i had no you know um tv unless like we charged it uh with a generator and that was like a once a week thing for just one movie so i had to keep myself busy and entertained and sports was the way to go you know i was racing people barefoot so i've always been athletic and i feel like i've always been a bodybuilder but i didn't know about competing you know until you know i came to i you know i started college and um even though i got into the gym scene in in high school weightlifting room it was not like a real gym i was only doing light lifting because i was kind of uh, skinny as a kid very skinny i was 98 pounds in high school i wanted to you know look stronger feel stronger i wanted to feel more confident uh, i wanted to feel like i could do what you know guys can do because i've been told as a kid no you can't do this cuz you're not a guy in, in in both society american society and bangladeshi society you know women are fragile women are supposed to need men so then when i got into like lifting i started feeling like there's nothing really that i can't do just because i'm a female so um i saw a magazine uh, a bodybuilding magazine uh with nicole wilkins she's uh, four times miss olympia and i was like i want to look like that she looks so powerful muscular yet she's still a female and i said i'm going to commit myself to becoming an actual bodybuilder who competes and wins represent my country even though my country has no idea i'm doing this <laughs> and um you know i moved to california for grad school but it was also for my fitness goals as well because uh i knew there were a lot of good gyms out there a lot of uh, amazing bodybuilders and coaches were out there that i could reach out to while i was going to grad school um and as soon as i started making some money right after grad school i said that's it i'm paying uh for a full-time coach, full-time trainer, I'm paying for those registration fees and everything and I just went full force uh 2015 with competition. Making money from what competitions or from people uh Oh no, from from being a teacher. No, no, here's okay. the thing. Bodybuilders don't get paid much. We're not like football oh. players or you know, we're not you know we're not we don't have contracts like okay you know if you compete with us you know this many times a year we're going to you know give you a salary because we get the audience the the organizations actually make money off of us cuz we have to pay for registration we have to pay for training we have to pay for our suits we have to pay for photography everything unless 
you find a sponsor like a supplement company like i have a couple of supplement companies that sponsor me um uh of uh, companies whose supplements i really like you know modern sports nutrition and action action nutrition so i was like um I, but that's only recently i didn't have a sponsor for like several years and i had to work as a teacher um you know after school saturday school summer school to even pay uh, afford bodybuilding because my family wasn't gonna pay for that and i don't even want my family to pay for that because my family has their own struggles you know so most bodybuilders have a, a day job yes almost everyone unless you are mr olympia uh who is the um, that one person in the entire world makes half a million dollars that one time you win but mm. that's it it's not a salary and unless you have contract with like nike or but nike doesn't contract with bodybuilders nike or under armor they only go with like mainstream espn sports the mainstream world still has not recognized bodybuilding as like a mainstream sport they don't even show us on espn you know even though bodybuilding is the most difficult sport in the world because we got to perform while dieting and while looking good you know and what I mean? So what, do, so what do most bodybuilders end up doing for a job? Do they go into like wrestling or boxing and things like that? No, not, no. When you're a bodybuilder, you can't do any other sports really. Cause the bodybuilding is so consuming. Like when time consuming, like when you, when you are prepping for a show, it's your life, you know? So, um, a lot of them are personal trainers. A lot of them are, uh, you know, promoters. A lot of them, uh, work in the fitness industry, coaches or, um, trainers uh, i'm the very few who have that nine to five you know um job it's like you know it's just a teacher or an you know, engineer or um or have that non-fitness lifestyle like my job is like very nerdy job at, at the desk that has nothing to do with you know fitness so then so you're a teacher or you're an engineer sorry so i was just giving examples that very okay. few people are teachers or engineers um, gotcha, gotcha. because yeah, most people are in fitness. Um, but, um, I'm a teacher, I'm a science, uh, science, a special ed education, high school teacher, and also science, um, science oh, wow. department head, uh, at a public high school in New York city. Oh, wow. my wife's, uh, my wife's a uh, special ed teacher as well. That's amazing. A of, yeah. A lot of respect for teachers. Um, do your students know that you're also a bodybuilder? Yes. And they're one of my main motivating factors because they look up to me a lot. They respect me more, especially like <laughs> when uh, I'm not wearing a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, you know, the teenagers will be like, miss, I want to be strong like you. Um, you know, can you coach us? And I said, I don't have time to coach. How am I going to, you know, to coach football or, uh, or this or that when I got to go train myself and, um, and I got to do after school tutoring and the academic stuff. So they will harass me often to coach them, um, and stuff like that. So I ended up coaching one year, uh, girls badminton and those girls were amazing support for me because they cheered me on they would send me pictures and videos when i'm at a show like everybody screaming you know sending me a video of saying good luck and then i'm gonna rock you know uh wow. a lot of them were actually muslim bengali girls um and also african girls and hispanic girls um in my team so they are definitely my rock my students are everything to me and they're one of the reasons why i continue to do what i do that's incredible wait but they have badminton in high school now um it was uh something that i started oh it was like the first yeah it was like the first um 
team in that campus. So New York City in general doesn't have badminton, but we started it and I, I was one of the pioneer. That's uh, amazing. So yeah, culture is so, pretty important. So culture is uh, pretty important too, because obviously badminton is not a huge sport here. It's very big. Well, yeah, I played badminton as a kid in Bangladesh, and a lot of wow. my students were from uh, Bangladesh. Another reason yeah. why I teach is in New York City is I have a lot of Bangladeshi students, and yeah. um, in, and, and I, I try to I try to support them as much as possible, you know, and and keep that. them, you know, grounded with their roots. So if they want to play badminton with me, I can. So that's why I love being a bodybuilder because I'm athletic and I'm energetic. I'm eating right, even on a stressful day. I bring my food with me to work. I have my water my juice my you know um so i have the energy to keep up with the teenagers because of bodybuilding and i'm able to play with them i'm able to you know do a lot of extracurricular activities with them leadership stuff as well so that's definitely one of my biggest whys uh, since you brought up food i really would love to talk about the the bengali diet uh listen you know i'm uh i'm a bengali guy and uh i'm definitely like noticing like the bengali uh gut creeping up and it's it's a problem what what is it with the bengali diet that makes it so inherently unhealthy i never said i mean maybe that's your opinion come rule that it's inherently yeah, healthy so I, I, I i'll ask I, you because i i think it is maybe because i'm that's making me making an excuse for myself what, what are your <laughs> yeah. at least you're honest man yeah. <laughs> no bengali food is bengali food is not inherently unhealthy i like i said i grew up well i spent first nine years of my life in a village and i was fit my grandma almost mm. had six pack because she was she had her own garden she she you know uh grew her own vegetables and we had fresh fish off the pond or from the river and that was our diet you know and we had rice fields like acres and acres of rice fields and we ate rice for breakfast lunch dinner nobody got fat because we were active and we had fresh vegetables and fresh fish and fresh chicken fresh eggs like literally from the backyard so um bengali food is inherently healthy it's when you combine it with the mogul uh culture and you start eating biryani type of food mm. or you start roasting that chicken with lots of ghee because ghee is not a bengali thing like a lot of things Bengalis eat is not Bengali because, for example, I'm not. I'm a little biased. I'm Sileti, right? Half Sileti, but more Sileti than anything else. So if you eat a Sileti diet, if my grandmother cooks, I get like even more fit. If the more I eat my grandma's food because she's making shudki without the tel, without the grease, um, she makes everything plain, not plain, but with spices, but not uh, not grease because in in the uh, in the village, we don't ha we didn't have a lot of oil. Oil was like a treat for a holiday, so we mm. only had fried things or greasy curry only if it was a holiday. So inherently, Bengali food, which is bhat mas dal, right? Rice, fish, and lentil. Don't forget the vegetables. Those mm. are very good staples, you know, as food and. Um, a lot of people who are in Bangladesh who eat really Bengali food, they are, you know, and they're, if they're active, um, it, it's not a problem. If anything, you'd be surprised. Most bodybuilders get their six packs or eight packs eating rice every day, several times a day. A well, lot talk about that. I would love to hear about that because everybody says you shouldn't have so much carbs. 
no uh carbs are not your enemies it's it's what you do with the carbs <laughs> so uh if you stay active if you are active carbs actually aid in your fat loss but um carbs are very important unless you have some sort of medical issue um and you know some people have serious serious medical issue and the only way for them to lose weight is keto and keto is not something i go to and i don't recommend that because of how risky it is and it's not sustainable um but carbs are not the enemy it's how much carbs when you're eating the carbs and what you're doing with the carbs what, what are you doing with that energy so if you use that energy to be active it's actually helping you with the fat loss process and building muscle at the same time you said and you said when you eat to so talk about that what do you mean by that when you eat so you should be eating your carbs around the time when you're most active and when you when you need it the most so if i'm working on my feet a lot so let's say i am uh, supervising a game um all day saturday and i have to be on my feet and i have to wa uh, walk around the f football field or whatever all day um then i need my carbs or and then i gotta go to the gym after um or even if i don't go to the gym let's say i go for a run um i need that carb you know before i can you know because you need energy to burn energy you need energy to move and you you're not gonna burn anything if you don't move so yeah. i am uh, a huge proponent of eating carbs and making sure that you move use that energy to move what, what's the window what's the window you think like so like an hour or if you have there carbs? is no window a lot of people okay. come up with these rules so that you would go to them for like you know specific programs um okay. there is no rules it's very general it's a uh, it's about your daily caloric intake that's the first thing um and then comes you know how much carbs how much protein how much fats there's a ratio uh uh for you know carbs to fats to uh protein ratio which depends on your activity level so if you're someone who is very active let's say you're a construction worker who's also working out going to the gym which i know i know someone who's a professional bodybuilder and is a construction worker and has to hit the gym two hours a day this person wow. is going to eat a lot of carbs wow. right um like shit ton of car uh carbs excuse my language but someone who is sedentary obviously is going to eat a little bit less but they still need the carbs gotcha. um, your brain needs carbs your brain operates off of glucose hey you know one thing the one thing that i noticed and tell me if this is the cause of you know some of our unhealthy habits is Mm -hmm. You know, you go to Dawats, um, you know, Dawats oh, yes. start really late. Um, and yes. then that's the thing that I've been told by doctors is, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to eat really late and just go to bed right immediately. And that's um, so there is, there's also science behind what the doctor is saying. Like, um, so first you have to ask yourself, what is the doctor's nutritional background? Most doctors only take one intro to nutrition class. Maybe that's mm. nutrition. Or, or sports uh, nutrition is not their um, specialty. Their specialty is treating disease, right? So if you get sick, they know about the medicines, they know about the surgeries, but preventative stuff such as, uh, you know, healthy diet and things like that, you wanna go to a clinical nutritionist or someone who has a lot of experience uh, with, you know, uh, experimenting with different types of diets. 
because there is no science that says you're going to get fat because you ate carbs late at night. It's about your, it's, it's just math. How much calories did you eat and how much did you burn? So let's say um, you are in a caloric deficit. Even if you eat late at night, which I do all the time because I work out late at night sometimes, I continue to lose body fat and I'm still gaining muscle. So mm. if you're, it's about the total caloric intake. So having that dawat, what it's doing is adding bunch more calories than you need. It's not necessarily because you're eating it at night. The first thing is the fact that it's just a huge surplus mm. of calories. It's because if you, if you had worked out and then you went to get dawat, you would get buff. Mm. So the, the idea that, you, you know, as soon as you eat and you're not, you're going to sleep as soon as after, after you eat or very close to when you eat, you don't, that doesn't have an impact on how much calories um, you're burning or how you digest. No, digest not okay. necessarily. It depends. If you had like immense amount of carbs, obviously everything in moderation. So if you had like a, a crazy amount of uh, carbs, like two, three cups of, you know, rice right before you went to bed. Um, I mean, are you going to do a marathon the next day? Because if you are, then that's an amazing idea. <laughs> mm. So it's it, so so. There's no such thing as something as like no, you cannot do this. There's always an it's and buts and then. So it's okay. a, it's like a it's like a, a logical flowchart. You know how uh, if you looked at like um if you ever took like a computer science class or just any kind of like engineering class whatever where yeah. you do like a flowchart this then yeah yeah right. then so that, yeah. it's bad if you're not gonna move around at all the next day you're not gonna burn it off it's bad it's but if you're planning to do a 5k or or 10k or a good run the next morning that carb yeah. is gonna fuel you I actually do there are times I I did a race uh, every time um. I did a race and there were a few, um, especially if, if it was long, I would carve up the night before to, to have that stored energy for me to last me through the race the next oh, morning. Do people do that? I didn't know people do that. Yes. That's interesting. Yes. Wow. That's a strategy. Even before a bodybuilding show, bodybuilders will eat a shit ton of carbs um, before so that they could soak up all that carbs so replenish their muscles. Um, so it's not a bad thing. Because once you start thinking of food as your enemy, that's when things start going downhill. Mm. Once you start thinking and started feeling, start feeling guilty for eating late or going to a social event, and then you start feeling guilty and more and more guilty over time, and then you end up not, you know, using that energy because that relationship with food is affected, is negative. So once you start seeing food as your fuel, not your enemy, just because you ate at night, so what? You just next day go for a nice run. Or if yeah. okay, so if you have torn labrum, you can really run. But you can go for a bike ride, or go to the gym, or or do some body weight stuff at home. That like the stuff I showed you on the video. <laughs> yeah. the, there's always something you can do with that energy that you consume. What are your thoughts on uh, intermittent fasting? Because that's like the big fad now. Um, so like, if we start talking about that, I feel like it's going to be a whole new interview. It's, it's going to be like a completely different interview, but I would say that it's, uh, only if it fits your lifestyle and your goals, uh, for some people, it doesn't work for a bodybuilder who's trying to put on muscle. 
and you know it, it doesn't work for me um maybe for like few hours my eating window has to be at least 12 hours to fit all the calories that i need and to give me energy throughout the whole day because of uh, having multiple jobs and and being a professional athlete uh, i need to constantly be at my best and my sharpest and i can't be starving for not until 2 p.m you know, I, my day when school is open starts at 6am and it doesn't end till midnight. So there's no way like I'm going to be able to teach science, chemistry, biology, and special and deal with special education students and and remember hundreds of names. If Mm. I'm like fasting all day, Yeah, you know, I I can't live off of caffeine all day to keep me sharp. So, um, you know, it's all about your schedule, what works for you. Uh, and if you can get all your nutrition during that window, so that window should be personalized. So there's no one answer for everybody. Your window eating window would, would be different from my eating window, depending on when you want to exercise, when you need to stay sharp. Um, you know, so uh, it ha- it's something that you can talk to a dietitian or a coach about, about what works for your schedule. Um, you, you, you talked about all the things that you have going on. How are you managing your time? How do I manage time? Um, so I did like a reinvent, uh, reinvention of myself, like since high school. When I had a, a critical conversation with my parents when I turned almost turned 18. I said, mom and dad, I want to learn to be responsible. I see you working your, you know, your butts off. Um, you know, they worked minimum uh, wage jobs since we came here. And I just, it, it just put a lot of pressure on me um, as a kid that, you know, I didn't want to put any burden on them. I didn't want to, you know, take any money from them. I didn't want to add more work for them. I said, from now on, all the mails come to me. My, my mails, you should um, send them to me. I'm going to dorm in Stony Brook. And you're going to um, forward all my mails. So you don't have to worry about my responsibilities, my credit card, my books, my uh, tuition, anything. So I told myself that I could build a character if I just put myself out there and took responsibilities and not rely on my parents and not overwork my parents even more than what they have been doing their whole life. You know, they came from a village, you know, all the way a village uh, with no electricity to here. And they've had to work a lot, you know, 60, 70 hours a week, both of them. So I decided that I'm going to learn how to manage my time to be good at my academics. So since high school, I took responsibility. I said, I'm going to get straight A's. I'm going to get into a really good college. I'm going to handle my own bills. I started working really young, you know, so that time management came from experience because I put myself out there. I said, you know, I'm not going to learn unless I, I do it. You know, time management doesn't just happen to you. You can't just start managing time from, you know, writing on a journal. Uh, that's a good start. But if you don't um, have experience juggling, uh, then it's hard to keep up. So I've built that character of like juggling things uh, and multi, you know, not multitasking, but dividing up my day on a schedule since I was a teenager I would have a schedule like, okay, academics from like 6 a.m. to like 5 p.m. After that, I did like, I I put in my schedule like a fun thing I would do after school, whether it's tennis or or track or gym. I went to the high school uh, weight room 
And then I knew that, you know, I still had to do my homework because, you know, I, I was taking AP classes. So I made sure that there was like a three hour window for homework. And then I gave myself a few hours to relax before I went to bed. So that routine has been um, a thing for me since I was a teenager because I just wanted to be independent and successful at everything that, you know, I wanted to do well in. And it, even now, there are times I struggle. Uh, for example, like, Sometimes I have to hire someone to do my clean house cleaning because I'm doing so much. Sometimes I'm so tired from training and from coaching people and from teaching people. Sometimes I have to hire someone. But then like recently I was like, I was like, okay, let me rearrange stuff so that I don't have to do that so that I can, you know, get my own um, cleaning done, which I always do. But there are times when I need that um, help because I'm not perfect either. But then I just revisit my routines and I try to find time like, okay, where am I spending too much time? So I, um, I cut off some time from social media and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I just uh, did wallpaper in my room, by the way, last night, I just didn't use any Instagram. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's all about like revisiting priorities. What's my number one priority? That's, you know, I'm going to get that done when my brain is the sharpest from certain time to certain time. It's just, uh, I have, I maintain multiple calendars, making sure I have calendars for important things. And if it's like a to-do list, I have my checklist. And sometimes I just, you know, uh, if I take a look at it, I just remember it. Um, after I write it down, I just remember that these are the things I need to do. Yeah, I, th I think all those all those messages are so important. I think like prioritizing, I mean, that's so important. I think, yeah, I mean, one thing that I'd love to know, do you have any tools that you use? I mean, the calendar thing is so key, right? Just oh, yeah. Everything on so calendar. Um, I started using Calendly, yeah, which I, I know you, you use as well. But I love it. then I realized that it was actually requiring me more time managing it. So I was like, no, I got to be even more efficient. So then mm. I, I uh, worked with my friend who's a web developer and I said, how can we make this more efficient? So I'm not spending 30 minutes because 30 minutes to me is a lot of time. I don't want to waste 30 minutes of my day because 30 minutes means one consultation, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't want to miss one consultation because I'm emailing back and forth about appointments as a coach. Um, so, you know, I just integrated that into my website. Now everything is into my website, shaktifitness.org. So I don't have to remind people of their appointments. The website sends automatic reminders and it remind and sends automatic reminders to me as well. And um, it still works like Calendly. I still, I can still create my own availability and little blocks of time and for, and different calendars within the calendar. Um, yeah. So, so definitely, you know, during this, you know, the life that we, the life that we both uh, lead that you, you, we have to have some sort of tool, right? Like, otherwise okay. it's hard to remember everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, and, and I think, uh, I think for, uh, for me, um, I think, like you said, I think we get so many things thrown at us. Um, I'm not even, I'm not even working full time right now, so I can't even imagine how it would be then. I think the other thing for me, and I have to get better at, and I'm sure you get this also, is just learning how to say no sometimes. And I have to do more of that, you know, saying yes, no. Yes, for sure. For sure. So I have like a rule that, you know, I don't take any consulting um, calls or business calls or text, like anything like uh, from my clients that 
that requires me to do coaching, I just tell them if it's after like 7 p.m., just email it because I'm going to be with my family. Like last night I was with my family uh, and I was doing the wallpaper with my little brother. So I was spending quality time and my hands were tied. You know, I had glue all over my hands. So because what happens is you it ends up affecting your personal life. You're, you Mm -hmm. know, you eating your food or getting some sleep. So definitely having those boundaries are important for your own um, you know, health, your mental, emotional health, but also for your productivity, right? Because yeah. so, so it's definitely important. Um, uh, it's hard. Some projects require working like even late at night, but I make those except, uh, exceptions. For example, last night I was working on my uh, company t-shirt with a close friend. He, you know, he's also on summer break, so he does a lot of, like graphic t-shirts. So I gave him uh, t-shirts and he's like, he, he needed me to look at the designs and stuff. Even uh, it was like midnight, but that was the only free time he had. And I had, and he was doing me a favor. So that made sense. Um, but if it's yeah. like a regular client or like students are not allowed to contact me after a certain time, um, gotcha. and if they do, that's via email. Uh, I, I think those are great trips. So we're, we're, I feel like we can talk forever, but I wanted to, uh, before we end, I just wanted to, get uh i wanted i wanted i want people to understand what, what's your overall goal for everything you're trying to do with fitness uh with or anything else you have going on like what's your ultimate goal um uh, my ultimate goal is some i'm still um thinking about right now i have certain options certain paths and i'm i'm preparing myself so that when the time comes i will be able to choose which path i want So, for example, I recently got, yesterday I got certified um, to be a a bodybuilding judge. So I can travel around and go, thank you, and go to different um, bodybuilding shows and and, um, actually get paid for judging athletes, you know, uh, being on the other side of the stage. Um, So I'm going this weekend, actually, in New Jersey to a drug-tested bodybuilding show with social distancing. Um, So that's exciting. And I'm actually planning um a natural bodybuilding show for new york uh something that i'm investing in um so that should be next year fallish so we'll see how things go looking for a venue right now um and i just want to continue to help my clients and even maybe expand my horizon with the type of clients that i have so i want to get some people into the competitive arena like i'm trying to see if i could get uh, another bangladeshi in bodybuilding so um hopefully you know one of my clients decides to do a bodybuilding show or maybe someone who's out there wants a coach to um, help them get ready for that stage um and you know eventually uh, have my own gym and i'm gonna expand my brand and um eventually run my own gym and my own bodybuilding show continue that doing that if it's successful if i get enough competitors to compete then you know i'll repeat that every single year and uh you know i'll continue to teach um as well and we'll see uh you never know <laughs> sounds exciting I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to it i mean we've gotten tremendous feedback from you know when you took over and uh you know i'm, I'm really looking forward to see what else you have going on and uh, supporting everything else you have going on also Obviously, I think one of the things I like about this podcast is I get to talk to people from different industries and also just doing things that are completely different from what I'm doing and just learning from other people. So I think you know, you're a prime example of that. So thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Like you, you, you changed uh, you and the rest of the team 
from Bengalis of New York have changed my entire attitude towards business um, or doing business with my passion because I never wanted to make this a business. I just wanted to keep being an athlete and just keep being a teacher. I, I was always afraid that if I made made myself public with fitness and, and then people are going to want to like either get you know, coached or I would get too much attention and then I would get distracted, um, and not be focused as an athlete. Um, and, and, but you helped me draw the right crowd. Um, and I will always be thankful for that. And I feel way more comfortable about, uh, you know, saying things publicly now and making more educational posts. And I'm even writing a book right now. So, oh, wow. Thank you. I started writing it last, last year after I won my overall championship in Texas, but I didn't have the guts to, to, to reach out to any editors. Like, hey, I have a draft of this book about the first Bangladeshi woman to ever do figure and become a professional at it. Uh, so I want to I wanna put it out there in the world. Um, I didn't have that courage until... I had practice with going um, live with your website where, you know, I was just public and there were like, you know, 10, 15,000 people watching me. So thank you for that. And I'll always be grateful for that. That sounds amazing. And yeah, like I said, looking forward to it and obviously we'll support anything you have going on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I do it for my people, always in my thoughts. I gotta be honest with diamonds and pearls. Yeah, yeah, Bengali's in New York, all over the world, uh, it's the bony show, uh, hey, can you handle this, representing the boroughs where the bangles live, from the slang we spit, to the gangs we're with, it doesn't matter, we the essence of the Bangladesh, I say, hey, come on, can you handle this, representing the boroughs where the bangles live.